This is episode number 207, Athlete Parenthood Series with myself and Matt Iwanis. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. And I'm pretty excited about this monthly series that is supported by Wahoo Fitness. They put a challenge up to me to record a monthly podcast about what it's like to be a new parent and to be an athlete. And I've also been including my husband in these because we're a team and I definitely couldn't be doing what I'm doing without him and vice versa. It seems like lately a lot of podcast hosts have been killing it on other shows. Some of the other podcasts I've really been enjoying listening to lately are The Growth Equation with Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus, who have been guests on this show and are authors of the books Peak Performance and Passion Paradox. I've also been enjoying The Swap podcast. David Roche and Megan Roche have also been, well, Megan wasn't, but David was a guest on the show, and I just really like their podcast as well. And kind of the mainstream ones with Tim Ferriss and Rich Roll. It just seems like everybody's putting out amazing content right now. And I've been finding a lot of inspiration and motivation from those podcasts. And something to go a step deeper just to talk about inspiration and motivation is about a month ago, I saw a YouTube video. It was only about two minutes long from Simon Sinek, who's written the book, Find Your Why. And I'm sure a bunch of you guys have heard about him. And he tried to give his definition to make the difference, to talk about the difference between motivation and inspiration. And he talked about how motivation can be external and it doesn't last and how inspiration is different because it's like a little fire that burns inside of you. And sometimes it burns brighter than others and it's your internal strength. And I sort of agree with that. And I, I think that's interesting. And I want to spend more time researching and understanding what the difference is. But I also do think that motivation can be that dimmer switch inside of you. And we will be getting into talking about motivation on this week's episode. Something I've been doing lately is changing up my weekly newsletter that comes out on Friday. And you can get that at sonyalooney.com newsletter. I've been enjoying the challenge of coming up with a thought stem to include every week. So it's just something that you can journal about or think about for the week maybe something that you haven't thought about before. And I've also been including just notes about things that I've been learning from books and on other podcasts that week. And I, it's just a fun challenge. And another thing that I also share is just the podcast for the week. To, that way you guys know who it is. And I'm just trying to make it quick to read, easier, just so you get the bites without having to read a lot of text. If you want to sign up for that again, it's sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. And if you already are a subscriber and have some feedback for me on how it would be better for you, just let me know. I'm pretty excited about some guests that are going to be coming up on this show. I get nervous about certain interviews. Normally, I'm pretty calm about it. But whenever I get one of those people on my dream lists, I get a little bit nervous and a little bit excited. And of course, you can say I'm excited whenever you're nervous because it's kind of similar emotion, similar physiology things that happen. But I'm pretty excited. So make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on these awesome future secret guests that are going to be coming out. And if you're enjoying this podcast and getting a lot of value out of it, make sure you share it with two friends. You can just copy the link from Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just tell them about it. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about a few things. We are going to talk about motivation and how it's been difficult because a lot of the events have been canceled and it doesn't appear that there will be any racing for the rest of the year. And I've actually had people reaching out to me asking me about this. So I have three or four solutions that might help you feel a little bit more motivated to get out on your bike. And Matt will also chime in and talk about his experience with motivation and bike riding. And then we also have some questions that you guys have written in. I did a takeover of the Wahoo Fitness Instagram and some people wrote in from there. And also some of you wrote in on my personal Instagram, which is at Sonia Looney one. All right. So we are back. Hi, Matt. Hello, everybody. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but then it also feels like forever ago when we sat in the other room recording that other podcast we did. That's right. Our massive house. We were in the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who know Beauty and the Beast, what's in the West Wing? <laughs> yeah, we're dorky around here. And the other podcast was pretty interesting because we sort of went a little bit deeper into some topics that weren't really planned. But we talked about, well, number one, we talked about resources that have been really helpful for us to 
help our baby sleep through the night, which he's been doing for quite some time. And that seems to always be the first question people ask is how much sleep is your baby getting? And we also talked about my birth story, which I wasn't actually planning to talk so much about, but it actually felt good to share that full story. And uh, there's some other things we talked about too that I can't really remember. Do you? I think we talked a little bit about different support mechanisms like doulas and midwives and all that good stuff. Oh, and prioritization too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how we manage time around that and supported one another, still be active and fit, especially with a newborn. All right. So I'll make sure that I link that up in the show notes. And I'm not actually sure if that many people read the show notes, but I always spend a lot of time making sure that it's out there in case someone is listening to this years from now and wants to go back. And thank you to those of you who are new to the show who are listening, because I can actually see that some of you are actually going back and listening to episode one. And that is absolutely incredible. And I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm so glad that even episodes from three years ago are still relevant and valuable. And I'm sure it's interesting. I need to go back and listen to some of my first episodes because you get better at things by doing them. And now I've done 207 episodes. So I bet I'm a bit different as an interviewer these days. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about, and as I mentioned, we're going to talk about motivation. And that's been a big question that a lot of people have been asking me is how I'm staying so motivated to keep training, even though there's no races on the horizon. And at first, the motivation was because I thought that there would be races coming. And I was highly motivated to get back on my bike after birth. And as I mentioned, I started riding a week after and it was like 30 minute rides, riding super easy, just slowly building back up. And I felt really motivated. And I was looking at my training hours and I saw that in April and in May, my son was born in March, I was riding a lot. And I was actually like surprised and and excited that I actually had done that. And then my motivation sort of tapered off a little bit in June because I thought my first race was going to be in June and then it was canceled. And then I thought that I would be racing in maybe August and then that was canceled. So my motivation sort of tapered off in June a little bit. How about you? What's it been like for you, Matt? It's been somewhat similar. I think for me, having a race to look towards was really helpful. And again, I had a training program. I'd set it up through uh, Trainer Road and Wahoo, and I had a program to follow inside in the winter. And then Bradley was born. Which trainer was that on? That was the Wahoo Kicker. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. It's I really enjoy training inside. Things I like about in training inside is you get direct feedback on improvement. You can see your heart rate and your wattage. You can see the improvements over time. You have like little tests you can do and workouts to complete. So. Through that winter period, I was really motivated. And then after Bradley came, I, again, I knew we had COVID and it was going to be a few months, but I was already put in the work and I was fit and enjoying it. And then recently, I'd say the same thing. Once I realized that there wasn't going to be any races, my motivation has tailed off. And right now I'm just in that sort of refocusing mode and going, okay, what's going to sort of light up my enthusiasm again to get out there and, and train again? And something I did, so I mentioned my June hours and motivation sort of tailed off a little bit, but I was able to rekindle that spark, that dimmer, whatever you want to call it, inspiration, motivation, by actually giving myself a break. And I said to myself, okay, I'm pushing myself so hard. I'm, to be honest, there were weeks where I actually felt was starting to feel a little bit burned out and I was having some inconsistency with my training because As a new mom, your energy management is a little bit different. And sometimes you can't do the same amount of intensity as you think that you can because there's other emotional inputs from having a baby. And we don't often talk about the mental and emotional inputs of fatigue. And it's important to give yourself grace with that, especially if you have more stress in your life. If your kids are at home and it's looking like in the fall, many people will be homeschooling their kids. So having some self-compassion and also just some realism and saying, yeah, like there's a lot more going on now. So I gave myself a little bit of a break and I said for a couple of weeks, I'm just going to do less and I'm not going to force. I I didn't feel forced, but I'm not going to have high expectations of myself. And what we called that was I'm just going to give myself an achievement break and I'm just going to do it for as long as I need to. And I think that's really important because in our culture and society, We're always rewarding. And I wrote about this in my Strava club, actually. It's um, Moxie and Grit Strava club with Sonia Looney, if you guys want to join. But I just wrote about how we're always celebrating whenever people are crushing, like doing an Everesting challenge, which is awesome. And it should be celebrated. Or when people get like a QOM or a KOM or someone did a four hour ride, 
we don't celebrate whenever people take care of themselves and take a rest day, or we don't celebrate whenever somebody rides for like 10 minutes, decides that they're fatigued and turn around to go home. That's not celebrated in our society. And I think that it should be. I know that there's a, a fine line, you know, between celebrating, I, I don't even want to call it average or less than average, but we need to be more aware that whenever people are listening to their bodies and taking care of themselves, like that is a win too. Yeah, I think it's a challenge to understand where that line is. And for me, what I was proud about in the last, I'd say, two months is just showing up. So even though some days I haven't really felt like riding or I've been a bit fatigued for whatever reason, I just got on my bike and said, okay, well, I'm going to start and start riding and see how I went. And some days, again, I felt good and I rode hard. But more often, I felt average and I did a really kind of just enjoy myself putz along ride. And again, there's probably 15 or 20% of the time where, you know, I made it 15, 20 minutes, not even to the trail sometimes and turned around and went home. You know what? I'm just too fatigued. But what I am proud of is that I started and then was able to allow myself the break to go home. And I think that's the hard part to manage that is it's not all or none. It's I'm not either training like an animal or I'm just going to stay on the couch and do nothing. So, and everyone's got a different place of where that is for them. But that's what worked for me is just committing to showing up but not being so committed to the ride that I would just drive myself into the dirt. One of the other things that, that I'll, and I'll just jump in as a random aside that I found helpful was at some points I get kind of fixated on like, this is my weekend to do a big ride. And again, we're trying to manage time and I've got everything set. But twice in the last month on the days I'd set aside for big rides, I had an opportunity to make a new friend. I met somebody who was a mountain biker. I met them on the trail. And they contacted me and said, hey, let's go for a ride, social distancing, staying apart. It's, a, it's hard to connect and make new friends when you're in COVID, but it was awesome. And I didn't get the training that I wanted necessarily, but I got to meet new people. I got mentally refreshed. I got to ride new trails and it was awesome. So some of the things that sort of helped me stay engaged in the last couple of months have been social, actually, not nothing to do with performance or achieving. Yeah, I actually did that today and I really enjoyed it. And now I remember what I was going to say. And if you guys are listening to this podcast, one of the things about being a podcaster that is kind of challenging sometimes is you have to be a good listener, but you also have to remember what you're going to say. And so you can't be thinking about what you're going to say the whole time. Otherwise, you're not listening well enough. So it's balancing that. So what I was going to say was around overtraining and confidence. And a lot of times people will force themselves through workouts that they shouldn't because they don't have the confidence to turn around. Confidence and the difference between good and great riders is knowing when to rest and actually resting instead of pushing yourself whenever you shouldn't be. And that comes with experience. And sometimes we overdo it. And sometimes we don't have the confidence to turn around. So the next time you feel really tired and you turned around and you're beating yourself up or you're planning to do an interval workout and you end up having to do a recovery ride. And I do this. I start beating myself up and then I realize I'm beating myself up and I say, no, 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 no. Like, this is really good that I'm going easy and that I have the awareness and the confidence to slow myself down so that I can be better next time. A lot of that does come from, again, experience and also understanding physiology. So that's really helpful to understand what's going on in your body and how to maximize that. Sometimes going easy is just getting fat. You're actually still getting faster while you're riding easy, which is awesome. And sometimes you've driven yourself into the dirt and you're just trying to recover riding easy. And it's important to know what those differences are. So now we're going to talk about five things, and we just kind of brushed on them, but five things that are easy to execute to help build your motivation if you've felt like you've lost it, and they're not going to be dependent on races. And I was thinking, I came up with these because I thought, when do I feel proud? And whenever, whenever we do a race or an event, that's why we sign up for something most of the time, is we want to feel proud of something. We want to feel proud that we finished, or we want to feel like we built community, or we want to have a goal to train for because that's the only way that we can get ourselves out the door every day and stay consistent. So I thought to myself, when do I feel most proud, especially this summer when there aren't any races coming up? And for me, I'm driven by improving myself as much as I can. And used to be when I first started racing and even early in my pro career, I wanted to prove I was good enough. And it was very externally driven and that's a really dangerous place to be because you cannot control the outcome of what happens whenever you show up to a race. There's things that that happen out of your control. You can't help what people are there. I heard this author recently. I, I can't remember what the name of the book was, but she's a PhD and she wrote a book about poker. 
and she hired this poker coach and she wrote a book about it. And her first two books were New York Times bestselling books. And her third book, the one that just came out, it sold more copies in the first week than the other two books. But because of the week it came out with all the different things going on in the world at that time, her book didn't make the New York Times bestseller list. So she said, if I was so focused on the outcome of this and saying my book is only successful if I make the New York Times bestselling list, or this book is only useful and, and good if it makes the New York Times bestselling list, then that's not a really good wagon to, to hit yourself to. So she was really focused on the process of writing a book that made a difference and the outcome getting on the New York Times bestseller list was not in her control, even though she sold more books in that first week. So we're talking about process goals. And for me, focusing on just being my best and seeing that improvement has been really motivating. And there's lots of different ways to measure improvement. And I think with fitness, it can be really hard because fitness is like balance. It doesn't actually stay in one place ever. Some days you're fitter than others. Some days you're more fatigued than others. There are weeks where you're not at your peak fitness. And so number one is, (laughs) you guys are going to laugh, but Strava segments. And Strava can get a bad rap. And there are people who are irresponsible trail or road users because they're trying to do a Strava segment. But my favorite thing to do is actually challenge my PRs, my personal records. And the cool thing about Strava is over years, like I've been, I think I've been on Strava since 2011. I can actually see over the years where I was at on certain segments, whether it be climbs or downhills. And the cool thing about the Wahoo Element is that it has Strava live segments. And you can enable that by opening up your Wahoo Element app and you scroll down, there's a Strava live segments. It connects to your Strava account. And on Strava, there's like a star that it's in the lower right-hand portion of the map and you click the star and it syncs to your Wahoo so that you have live timing. So you can see where you're at and it tells you how far ahead or behind you are of that time, your PR. And you can also do it versus the KOM or QM if you want to. And it gives you a projected finishing time. So that's been really fun for me to pick certain things and try and beat my times, especially postpartum. People are asking me like, oh, do you have the mom watts or are you faster? And it's been fun to see that, yes, like I am faster on certain things than I've ever been. And I get super motivated and I go hard like I would in a race whenever I see that I'm like two seconds ahead of my time and I just want to stay ahead. Or sometimes with the segments, you don't actually know where they go and you screw it up and you turn right instead of left. And I've actually gone back and rewritten that segment over and over so that I know where the segment goes so that for next time I can try to be my best again. I'm excited to do that. That's my next motivational hack for sure. I truthfully haven't really targeted Strava segments in general. I either feel good and ride hard and have a general awareness of things might be, but I think it's actually kind of fun to plan your ride and go, okay, where where are those big climbs at or where are those really technical descents? And I'm going to focus on these three segments or these five segments or these 10 segments or whatever in advance. And then you have this kind of anticipation and excitement feeling that you get from a race, like the buildup of what's coming and there's race day morning and all these things. So the night before, the day before you're on Strava and you're looking at where all those segments are and everything is, and you're amped for your next ride the next morning. And yeah, and it's, it's really fun. It's actually, uh, I truthfully, I've only engaged a little bit with that, but I'm excited to do more. Yeah. And just make sure you don't take yourself too seriously and be like, sometimes there's people in the trail. Sometimes trail conditions aren't ideal. Sometimes like, you know, just be nice and go easy on yourself too. Like don't take it so seriously. It's for fun. Yeah. That's a huge, huge thing. It's in fact, I'm always a little embarrassed when I'm riding hard in the trail and you go by another (laughs) cyclist or a hiker or something and you're just like (laughs) bleeding out your eyes and you're trying not to like you're pretending you're not riding hard and trying to be nice at the same time. So it's yeah. pretty funny. I actually saw my chiropractor and she was hiking and I actually don't remember seeing her, but it was, this was even before this, I was doing Strava segments. I was just doing intervals on the trail and she said, Oh yeah, I saw you look like you're working super hard. And I thought to myself, did she tell me not to go hard? And was I disobeying? But no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so number two is Matt mentioned this looking at for improvement in your power numbers. And that's very easily achievable if you're doing like trainer road workouts on the trainer inside and make sure that you're not overheating because it can get quite hot. And I know in our garage, it's really hot. So we're not really riding the trainer in there. And if we do, we want to ride it in air conditioning. Certainly if you're doing heat training, which I did last year and I've recorded multiple podcasts on how to heat train for an event, that actually would be advantageous. But yeah, like the cool thing about riding inside is that you can control all of the variables. So for example, on a Strava segment, you can't control if there's going to be people there. Maybe it's really windy that day. Maybe the trail is blown out and you're not getting very good traction, yada, 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 as Jerry Seinfeld, actually Jerry Seinfeld didn't say it, but it was in Seinfeld would say. 
So the cool thing about riding in the garage is there's lots of variables that you can control and you can really see if you're getting better. Yeah, I really like that part about uh, the garage or indoor training in general. And I find a super efficient use of the time. Like there's no getting your bottles together and trying to figure out where stuff are in the house and getting it. It's just grab your kit, go to the garage, jump on the bike. But I do really appreciate being outside because you have different things that you can work on that you don't get on the trainer. So recently I've been... uh, Again, trying to find motivation, and I found a podcast or a YouTube channel called Kyle and April Ride Mountain Bikes, and it's Kyle Warner. Yeah, amazing! Like, just Kyle's just a great instructor, and he breaks things down really well. And you get an example uh, as he's teaching someone to ride all this stuff, and you get to see progression and all that. But a lot of the most basic stuff, I really just went back and either reviewed or learned for the first time, even though I've ridden for a long time. And I remember riding out one day and saying, you know, I'm having a slow day. I'm just not feeling great on my bike. But on the downhill, I set a bunch of PRs because I was able to just apply one or two really simple things. And the trail conditions weren't particularly good. It was blown out and dry and dusty. And I was still quicker than I'd ever been. So it was really, really fun to have the outside, you know, if you're blown on the trainer, you're just kind of blown on the trainer. The nice thing about outside is you have the up and the down. So if you can, if you can drag the rig all the way uphill, you will have some fun going down too. Yeah. So that's our number three motivational tip is pick a technical skill and work on it. And it's really rewarding because with fitness, it's really hard to tell if you've improved or not. And it takes quite a while to create even marginal gains, especially if you've been at it for a long time. But with technical riding, there's things that you either can or cannot ride. And once you learn how to actually ride them, it's really rewarding because you can see it immediately. And you're like a little kid and you, it's like, I don't know. For me, I remember the moment I tied my shoe for the first time when I was a little kid and I was so excited and I had that feeling of, oh my gosh, I did it. And with technical riding, you get that too, because you finally do that thing you've been working at and you get this rush of adrenaline and dopamine and you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. So what I've been working on are bigger drops. And there are these couple of drops on these trails, which for years I've been mad that I can't ride them. And I have no right to be mad because I haven't worked at it. And they're quite big. Like people get confused about the type of mountain biking I do because the type of training and trails I like to ride are enduro slash trail style rides where most people are riding on bigger bikes, like a one or 150, you know, 160 mil bikes, but I'm riding on my cross country bike because I like to ride the bike that I race. But the type of racing I do doesn't have technical features like that. So I need to get on a bigger bike, I think, in order to ride some of those bigger drops because it's a safety issue and the bike isn't meant to be doing things like that. So I've been working on ones just slightly smaller than that. And it's all about progression. And yeah, people, it's not just... So my worst crash ever was trying to learn how to do drops. And this was a long time ago. This is back in the day when I was riding a 26 inch hardtail with like 2.2 tires and no dropper. And it wasn't even that big of a drop. And the difference between like a drop and a jump is like, and I might be wrong, but a drop is kind of like it's flat or pointed downhill slightly. And then the ground just drops away and you kind of free fall down. Whereas a jump is more of a ramp, like almost like if you're doing a tabletop where it's like it pitches you up into the air and then you have to like land it. I think that's what the difference is. Is that, you think that's right? I have no idea, Okay, I'll I'll go with that. (laughs) We're getting Kyle Warner on the podcast pretty soon actually. So we'll ask him, (laughs) but I think that's what the difference is. So it's been really fun. And for me, whenever I was pregnant, I stopped working on my technical riding progressions last year. I just would ride trails that I was comfortable on and they were still technical, but I wasn't working on progression because I didn't want to risk any type of crash happening. And if you're progressing at the right um, speed, then you probably, like, you might have some crashes, but you shouldn't have any major crashes because you're doing, you're doing it right. You're doing it at the right comfort level, but there is that fear. And this will be another podcast we record is like, how do you get over that little bit of fear that you feel whenever you're about to do something for the first time, even though you have worked up to it? And skills and confidence have to go hand in hand. It's where those two lines intersect. That's when it all comes together whenever you're riding a technical feature for the first time. So pick a technical skill. And if you don't mountain bike, like on the road bike, even there's technical, you can learn how to like corner faster. And I'm more nervous riding on pavement than I am on dirt just because I don't do it very often. And the speed is so high. 
Or if you're a gravel rider, maybe you're working on a gal sent an email to me saying that she appreciated my progressions of drops that I've been posting just because it motivated her to start working on a technical skill. And for her, it was loose climbing on her gravel bike. So pick something where maybe it's your weakness and start baby stepping your way up. Go on YouTube. There's some really great videos out there on how to get better. And then you can, oh, and I recommend videoing yourself. And it's kind of embarrassing when you get caught videoing yourself on the trail or on the road. But that's a great way to get better because you can see yourself. You can see what you're doing. You can objectively or have somebody else look at the video and say, okay, this is what I'm doing wrong. Am I actually doing it better? Yeah. When you look at YouTube videos, actually Kyle's channel is great at this, uh, Kyle and Amy, or sorry, April, April, (laughs) because he's instructing her and you'll see her run through and he'll give her the, okay, try moving your elbow this way or dropping your heels like this. But for most of us, we don't get that feedback unless you get an instructor on the trail with you. So the way to hack that and save yourself a a ton of money is film yourself going over one segment a few different times and then go to YouTube and find your professional showing the way it should be done and then just watch them back to back. And you can give yourself your own feedback and go, it's certainly not as good as having a real-time coach and I would highly recommend you do that. But it's also a way to get access to good information and improve quickly as well. All right. So number four, another way to stay motivated is picking a new route or route. I don't know the right way to pronounce it. We get into a lot of arguments over how to pronounce things as Matt is Canadian and I'm an American in Canada. And apparently I'm talking more like a Canadian these days, which is, I guess, to be expected. The assimilation is happening. That's right. It's happening. (laughs) That's okay. So with routes, There are a couple different things you can do. So number one, like Ted and Laura King are doing DIY gravel and like Rebecca Rush is doing a bunch of adventure things that you can go do with gravel. We don't really ride a lot of gravel around here because there's so many single track trails to ride. And most of the gravel are these like heinous logging roads that (laughs) I've actually seen people walking their gravel bike up it because it's just so steep and you just don't want to do it. Uh, Maybe there are people listening that do, but I don't. Anyway, so if you want to have a new adventure, like check out those guys or what we, we bought this BC Backroads map book to try and like link up different trail systems in different towns. And maybe eventually we'll put we'll put together this huge ride that we'll trade off doing in the fall. Another thing that I've been doing is actually going on Strava, another great tool and looking at what some of the other locals are doing because we all have our loops. We do the same loops, maybe, you know, without much variation over and over and over. So I downloaded and on your Wahoo, you can do this as well. You can, you can create your own route, but you could go on Strava and you can actually add somebody's ride as a route and it shows up in your, on your element. And yeah, tech wise, how to do that. You go to, let's see, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Strava, you open up the ride and then on the left-hand side, there's a, a menu bar there. And then there's, there might be three dots you have to click. And then it says, create route, create route, and then you can save it. Or you can email yourself the file and open it up and you're on your phone and then it imports into your Element app. Or if it's synced to Strava, if your Element app is synced to Strava, then it'll automatically load into your Element app. And whenever your Element is connected to Wi-Fi, which you can do in the app as well, it'll sync everything up. And then you can go out on your ride, open the Maps page, go to Route, and then select the route, and then it'll show up on there. And the cool thing about the Maps, the gal I was riding with today had a Garmin and I don't know what version it was and maybe they've they've changed it since but she said she didn't like the Garmin Maps app because or the Maps part because it didn't show like all the different trails it was just a line that you followed without showing all the different intersections so you didn't really quite know where you were and with the Wahoo you can actually see all the different trail intersections and have an idea or if you want to shortcut something or change your route you can do that and it will also reroute you So I started riding other people's routes and I got to find some new loops on the trails. And I've lived here for six years or seven years and haven't ridden trails that in those directions before. So it's been super fun finding new ways to ride the trail systems I've been riding over and over and over. Yeah. And I think that's a big mental refresher too, as well. One of my favorite things to do when I'm tired of riding, again, like you said, you get your roots and you kind of get stuck into this routine. I'll purposely have a a non- non-decision ride. So my goal is to go to an intersection and make a different choice randomly. And sometimes you're running up the down track. And in BC, there's very few like unidirectional trails because they self-select. And if you're going up the down track, it's because you cannot ride up it. It's too steep. So sometimes you just end up hiking your bike uphill. (laughs) And sometimes you have really awful rides, but it's always mentally refreshing. Sometimes your partner looks behind you, looks behind her 
But <laughs> wait, wait, we should go. This is a we had a, a marital moment, which we don't have very often. But Matt said we were riding together, and Matt's like, "Let's take this left hand turn." And he's like, "It might be really bad." And I kind of remembered that the trail was completely destroyed. It was like giant baby head rocks, and it was totally rutted out, so you could barely walk down it. And then to massively make, overgrown too, so you could your bars are scraping through bushes. Yeah, you you literally were bushwhacking. It's and, really bad choice. <laughs> and it was going on, and I, I did really well. I I was using my mindfulness training. I wasn't reacting. I was just staying quiet. But there was a moment, you know, it and went you, on. You know when Sonia's mad because she's staying quiet. First of all, on a ride. <laughs> yeah, whenever I'm mad, I, I'm quiet, and the silence is deafening. So <laughs> that section just kept going and going and going, and then we finally got to the end of this stupid section, and I hear whoops, ow. <laughs> and that was Matt getting hit in the face of the bush. And I was already scraped up and everything. And I was kind of mad, but I had to act concerned. So I turned around and looked at him and I said, are you okay? And Sonia had like the biggest <laughs> grin on her face. Like she was just so, and she was so happy. I got hit in the face by this branch. <laughs> she forgot to wipe the grin off her face before she asked, Oh, are you okay? <laughs> I just I couldn't help it. She was so thrilled that I got smashed in the face. I'm not a good poker player. <laughs> I can't hide my emotions on my uh, face. It was really funny. Anyway, there, so pick new routes. Pick new routes and try not to try not to do that. <laughs> and then the last thing to stay motivated, and Matt mentioned this, is is make new friends. Ride with friends. Go with people that maybe you like. If you're not, don't have to follow a training program anymore because there's no race coming up. Build community and hear stories and. And show people, like, it's really joyful to show people trails or maybe help somebody on a technical section that they've never done before. Like, that's super, super cool. Yeah. And ride with kids. Like, the fun thing about riding with kids is they're, like, they're bonkers. They're out of control. And most of them are doing it just because they love it. Sonny got to ride with my niece and nephew, or my two nephews, I should say. And uh, they're little kids and learning to ride. But they're one of them is just, like, so enthusiastic and... My brother's constantly telling him, no, you can't go down that quite yet. You're not quite ready because they'll just launch themselves he's, off he, stuff. Yeah, he's four. They like padded up full face helmets. Like they, they shred these little kids and it's it's kind of terrifying to ride behind them. <laughs> so yeah, mix it up, ride with different people. It's, it's definitely a good way to stay fresh. All right. So now we're going to get to the listener questions. The first question is breastfeeding and riding. Do you worry about supply drop and nutrition? I think that's a really great question, and it is something that initially I did worry about, not not even really with riding, but just in general. In the last podcast, I said, I think that every single mom who's breastfeeding is worried about their supply dropping, and there are things that you can do just to ensure that it doesn't. So if you are missing a feed for your baby, there are multiple breast pumps you can get out there. Um, I have two different ones because I couldn't make up my mind. One of them is actually... You probably could actually use that while riding your bike. It's called the Willow Pump. And there's another brand called LV that makes a very similar product that I know Laura King uses on her rides. But make sure that you pump before you ride. So like if the baby is going to be eating or would have been eating an hour into your ride, make sure that you're pumping before you leave on your ride or pump right when you get home. So that's stimulating your body to tell you that to tell it like, yeah, we're, we're, we're still feeding. And Bradley gets a bottle of express milk if I miss a feed on my bike rides. Or you can, if you have the luxury of doing this, you could time it so that you don't miss a feed. So what we've been doing is Matt comes home from 12 to 2 and Bradley usually eats around 1130 to 1145. And this is a, I take a deep breath because our baby is more or less on a schedule. Like there's a framework and he works within the framework and there's flexibility, but not everybody does it that way. So for for us, it's, it's awesome with the framework that we have because it's very predictable about when he's going to eat. So sometimes like if I'm doing two hours and he's eating every two and a half to three hours, I don't even miss a feed. So I don't worry about supply dropping. With that said on the weekends, sometimes I do three to four hour rides and I do worry about that because sometimes there will be feeds that are missed completely and I choose not to pump on the ride. Some people need to pump on the ride because it gets uncomfortable. And if you're getting swelling or or engorgement or anything like that, you definitely need to be doing that. And that's when I would recommend bringing one of those Willow or LV pumps with you. I haven't had that problem, but I just make sure that I get on it immediately when I get home with the baby, with the feeding, with the pumping. And another thing that I do is at night, he will eat from one side and then I pump the other side before I go to sleep. And then in the morning when he wakes up, he'll eat from one side and I'll pump that other side as well. So I haven't had any issues with my supply dropping. And in terms of nutrition, making sure you're eating enough calories is pretty important, but the milk is going to get the first priority. Like when you're pregnant, the baby gets first priority. So 
you know, as long as you're eating, like I eat a whole foods plant-based diet, but as long as you're eating a well-rounded diet with all the nutrients that you need and you're taking your multivitamin, it's probably going to be fine. You do burn an extra 500 calories at least per day breastfeeding. So you do need to be eating more calories. And on those big ride days, it can be really hard. So there are times I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm starving. And what I normally eat is just a bowl of muesli like organic muesli without sugar added and things like that, because I'm going to be getting high calorie and high nutrient value. And what would you say about hydration? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's something that I've actually been noticing lately because it's been like almost 100 degrees and I go out whenever it's 100 degrees and ride my bike. And I do get dehydrated more quickly because of that, because your body is going to, well, I think my body's prioritizing making milk and then I get the rest. So making sure that you're extra hydrated, I always have a, I have like a two liter bottle of water that's where by the chair where I nurse. There's glasses of water everywhere. And anytime I see a half drinking glass of water or any water, I'm just always drinking it. And something funny has actually happened with that because a hack with keeping your cilantro or cilantro alive is putting your cilantro in like a cup of water, just like you would flowers. And that keeps the cilantro alive longer. So there's been times where I didn't realize it, but that was like cilantro water. And then I ended up drinking the cilantro <laughs> water and I'm like, ah, or there's been times where like people are doing salt rinse, like mastering salt rinses or something. And I've drinking salt water. Like, <laughs> yeah, be careful. The cilantro tea. That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next question is about feeling guilty on rides. And the question is, are you both feeling guilty or not if away from the baby? And this person says that she feels bad when she's away from the baby, but the dad doesn't feel bad at all. So Matt, I'll let you take this one because you actually spend a lot more time away from Bradley than I do because you go to your office and you spend time riding. So do you feel guilty? And if you do or don't, why is that? No, actually, I don't feel guilty. Yeah, I'm not sure why particularly. I feel like I'm lucky that I have the flexibility. I work really close to home and I see him in the morning. I get to come home for two hours in the day and then I'm here for an evening as well. So that's nice. I don't feel like I'm working an eight or nine hour a day and then just not seeing or even a 10 or 11 or 12 hour day like I used to and then not seeing him at all. So I still feel connected to him. I feel like I'm spending time with him. I know that Sonia spends a lot more time with him than I do, but I think it's important to build healthy habits, right? I mean, right from the get-go and yes, your life changes and your prioritization changes and the time flexibility you had changes. But fundamentally, I think it's still important to take care of yourself because that's setting a good example for your little baby who's going to look to you and look to your habits and replicate those later in life. So I feel it's our duty as parents to live our best lives to the best of our ability and support our kids at the same time. So I'm not a f personally, for me, it doesn't feel right to give away all of the, and I'm making extreme statements because I'm not suggesting that people would be doing this, but give away all my health and wellness to focus on my kids' health and wellness to the detriment of my own or vice versa to say, well, the heck with the kid, they'll figure it out. I need, dad needs to go for an eight hour ride today or whatever. So there's definitely a happy medium in there and everyone's is a bit different, but no, in general, I don't, I don't feel guilty about it. There's a saying, put on your own oxygen mask first before you put the oxygen mask on your kid. And it's easy to say hard to do, but I really put a lot of thought into this before Bradley was born of what does it mean to me to take care of myself and what do I need so that I can show up as my best self? Because if you're feeling burnt out or resentful of your kid because you're not getting time for yourself or you're letting your health go because you're taking care of your kid, that's a problem. Self-care is very, very important. And a lot of people feel like it's selfish or they feel guilty. And it depends on who you're listening to. So my question to people who feel guilty is ask, why do you feel guilty? Get curious about that. Is the guilt from within? Is the guilt because someone else told you you're a bad mom because you're going bike riding? I've had random trolls on Instagram send me messages telling me that I'm selfish and I'm terrible because I'm going out riding and my baby's at home. And I actually think it's funny because I really don't agree with them. And I feel very good about and intentional about the decisions that I'm making because I know that I'm going to be the best version of myself whenever I come back from that bike ride, because I get to go be me, not just mom. I get to go be Sonia. I get to go learn about, like, I love listening to audiobooks and podcasts. And I get so excited whenever I'm out there learning and riding my bike and I'm in nature and I'm getting sunshine. And that is what powers my batteries. And you got to do what powers your batteries. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. So I don't feel guilty about it at all. But sometimes I miss him. 
or all, I always miss him. So whenever I come home and I see him, I get like a little twing. But I ask myself, is that guilt or is that just that I miss him? And it's okay to miss your kid and it's good to miss your kid. And I also think giving your kid healthy independence away from you is also really important. Yeah, absolutely. And another part is a bit of a random aside is also your relationship. So if you're resentful to your partner or you feel resentful of the kid, it models really poor relationship behavior for a child as well. I mean, of course you love your partner and you want that to show up for your little little guy, little girl, little baby as well. So yeah, taking time for you, taking time for your relationship is important and finding that balance is, is different for everyone, but it's also a really important thing to work towards. And kids model what you do. And something that's important for me, for our son, is I want him to see the value and importance of hard work. And because that's one of my number one elements of my personal philosophy is I really, really believe that hard work is important because of who you become while you're doing that work. And hard work also teaches you that you're so much more capable than you thought that you originally were. And confidence also comes from hard work and getting up and staying in and all those things. The next question is maybe the most important one so far. (laughs) Teach us about your plant-based cookies. If you follow my Instagram or you follow my other, and I have two Instagram or actually I have multiple accounts depending on which business you want to follow, but I have myself, but I also have Plant Powered Academy, which is my tips and just kind of the foods I eat and information. And I also have, we have a Facebook group called Plant Powered Academy. We've changed the name from Plant Powered Tribe to Plant Powered Academy with Sonia Looney. And Matt is also a moderator in there. So you're getting Matt and myself. Whenever you join that group, it's free. Go to Facebook. That's where this question came from. The cookies are awesome. And if you look up lactation cookies, they have all the same ingredients as the cookies that we normally eat because they have lots of whole foods in them. So they work well for me. Yeah, Matt is. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so Don't worry, they're safe for men as well. <laughs> that's right. You're not going to start lactating if you're a dude. So we actually made some tonight. They're very simple and they're from Oshi Glow's app. I love all the Oshi Glow's cookbooks. If you want to eat plant-based or, you know, if you're plant curious, check those out. I will post the recipe. I'll make a note here. I'll post the recipe in the show notes as well. And actually, I will also send it out in my email newsletter on Friday. And that's sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. Shameless plug if you want to join my newsletter. But I will put that cookie uh, recipe in there. But it's oats, peanut butter, maple syrup, brown sugar, chocolate, vanilla, shredded coconut, ground flax. And that might be it. So all the foods that you can recognize, very the brown sugar is refined, but pretty much the rest of it isn't refined. Yeah, the interesting thing is when you look at granola bars or ride food that's not a gel, they're very much like a cookie, but with a whole bunch of different preservatives to keep them on the shelf. So even though, quote, you are eating a cookie, it's certainly not health food. It's really not that much different than that kind of that ride bar or ride food you would pick up that's that's a bar to eat. So it's a treat. It tastes delicious. And it's probably almost as healthy or just as healthy as what you get in a prepackaged bar. I would argue that it's healthier because it's not processed or processed. So you're getting all, you guys are getting all the Canadian words. (laughs) All right. Well, the next question, how old were you when you first tried mountain biking? This is a funny question because I first tried mountain biking in middle school with my dad. We were at Purgatory, which is a mountain. I think it's called Durango Mountain Resort now outside Durango, Colorado. And we had no idea what we were doing. And we rented bikes, took the chairlift up and we walked the downhill. And that was my first experience mountain biking. (laughs) So I don't even know if that really counts. So aside from that, I started mountain biking, I was almost 20 and I started mountain biking because some guys from my work invited me to go riding and I had been going to spin class at the gym. So I thought, well, what the heck, I'll just go. And I'm an all or none personality. So two weeks later, I did my first race and I've been doing it now for 17 years ever since. That's a pretty good start and still going. How old were you when you first started? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know. I must've been in my early... Oh, gosh. It, it would have been late elementary school or primary school. I don't know what the Canadian-American equivalent to that would be. Um, but by the time I got into eighth grade or grade eight, I had a real mountain bike and was, you know, every, I don't know, everyone here rode mountain bikes. We lived right on the edge of the a forested area and we would just get up and go ride all the time. So, yeah. And, and then I remember doing like time trials back in the day. You just show up and they, you, I don't know how long ago they used to do these things or if they used to, they still do. But you would just line up and you would just ride this little tiny loop as fast as you could one at a time. And like all the fast people and real riders there. And you roll up on your 
Kmart style bike with no idea what's going on and you just smash yourself to oblivion and come, you know, wherever near dead last and have fun and go home. It was great. I was laughing about that question because when I first met Matt, he told me, oh yeah, I started mountain biking when I was, I don't know, 30 or something like that. And then I heard all these stories about how he was a junior, like in high school or, or earlier racing mountain bikes. And I said, wait, I thought you said you didn't start ra- like racing mountain bikes till your thirties. In fairness, there was probably a pretty big stretch, maybe decade or so of no riding before that restart in my thirties. But true. I snuck in some riding when you weren't looking. And it's because you were playing basketball in university. That's true. There wasn't a lot of time for riding during those years. All right. Moving on to our next question. Do you prefer a foam or gel chamois? I have to say, after reading that question, I didn't even know that gel chamois existed. So foam, I like the Primal Helix kits. That's what I've been using for a number of years. And that's what I raced 24-hour world championships in and was very comfortable, amazingly. And I like the WTB Rocket Saddle. I didn't have any chamois sores riding my bike for 24 hours straight. So that's a pretty good, um, and I guess everybody's butt is different, but for my butt, it worked really well. Wonderful. All right. Next question. I am pregnant with twins still in the first trimester. What is the best wattage to keep riding at in the indoors? So I wouldn't look at wattage. Okay. First of all, caveat, I'm not a doctor. I don't have my PhD in exercise physiology, but I have done my own research, which is very limited for pregnant women. I would say don't go off of power. And it's hard because that's what sets the resistance whenever you're riding indoors. The first thing I did was I dropped my FTP, my functional threshold power by a large percentage, I'd say by about 40 watts to start. But what you need to do is how does your body feel? Are you breathing too hard? Are you overheating? Are you comfortable? How do you feel after the workout? It's, it's really about paying attention to where your body is at for how hard you should be going. So I would say start on the conservative end and build from there. And that's going to be based on what you're comfortable riding. For example, I was riding a lot at 150 watts, but that might be like 120 watts for someone, or that could be 170 watts for somebody else. So just pick something where you feel comfortable. It's okay to be sweating and breathing hard and pushing yourself a little bit, but just pay attention to how you feel. Like, I think that, you know, whenever you're overdoing it, your body tells you. And what would you say like your personal goal was for your first trimester? I mean, why are you getting on your bike and and what was your goal? The reason that I was very adamant about, I showed up six days a week to ride my bike and staying healthy and maintaining just like myself, because pregnancy is a time where there's a lot of things changing that you can't control in your body. And whenever you are having any type of anxiety, focusing on the things that you can control are really helpful to making you feel good. So I can control showing up and riding my bike and connecting with something that makes me feel like myself. And that was awesome. I have to say that I don't know if this is good or bad, but I can get obsessive about things sometimes when it comes to training hours. And I said, I'm riding 12 hours a week, my first trimester, no matter what. And I did. And in hindsight, I would say that I overdid it because I would have to go lay in bed and I was tired and it was was just a little bit too much. So actually I turned it down a notch or two in terms of hours for my pregnancy, the rest of my pregnancy. But I would say just set reasonable goals, be willing to make changes, pay attention to your body. Listen to your medical community for sure. Yeah, listen to your doctor. Well, it's just difficult with pregnancy because there isn't a lot of information out there, but we'll put a link in the show notes to some books that are really, really helpful that we found for pregnancy and exercise. I'm going to let Matt take the next question here. What would your advice be for someone who says they don't have time for sports? That's, yeah, that's interesting. There's all kinds of responses that that spring to mind, but I think if you value health, sports is a great way to get exercise. So if you don't value sports because you think it's frivolous and a waste of time, well, that's a bigger issue. If it's, you love to do those things, but you're so busy elsewhere in your life that you give that up, that's going to come back to haunt you. So I, I think it's really important that you don't give up your health. What often happens with people is they give up their health for their wealth, meaning their career. They're going to go work hard and do this. And then they're going to spend every penny of their wealth to try and get back their health that they torched over their entire life. And it's not going to work. I love that. And by health, you mean? I mean, mental health, physical health, fitness, all of those things. Yeah, sleep, diet. Yeah, it's a holistic. It's really important that we all, when you say this empirically, you say to somebody, what are the most important things to you in your life? You would probably say family and your personal health, maybe one or two. Those, I'm not exactly sure which order those would go in. I'm, some people might answer differently. Third would probably be career. 
But what ends up happening is first thing you give up is your health. The second thing you give up is your relationships. And the last thing you give up is your career. And I don't think that anyone, when they take a step back, would, well, maybe some people would, but the vast majority would not make that trade. So just be careful that you don't accidentally do that and you wake up unhealthy with relationships that are stressed because you didn't manage your nutrition, you didn't manage your sleep, you didn't manage your exercise, and now you have some real problems. Again, they could be health or relationship ones. So I would say it's really important. Sports are important. Exercise is important. Health, nutrition, sleep, relationships are important. And yeah, work really hard at trying to make them a priority in your life. And this goes back to the question about feeling guilty. It's prioritizing your self-care and without your health and without like mental, physical, all those things, you're not going to be able to do much else. So it doesn't have to be a lot either. Like it doesn't, you don't have to go out and ride your bike for three hours. Like go for a walk, move your body every day. Just do something to move your body. And I fully understand that sometimes things move in waves and there are times when you just say you have a deadline to meet or whatever the case may be. And you might have to give up some things for a short amount of time, but know that that is not the norm and that you'll get back to the healthy outcomes, whether that's, again, exercise and nutrition or what have you. But it's not about being perfect all the time. It's understanding things get out of balance, but understanding that it should go back to your priorities of, of family and health and all those good things. All right. And the last question. Last question is, do you have a training routine for flexibility? So number one, I think this is a great question because flexibility isn't going to do you very much good without mobility. And there are some pretty great people out there who have mobility programs online, which also will help you become more flexible. Mobility gives you range of motion. And there's actually going to be a podcast coming out with a really great expert in mobility pretty soon. So you can listen to that. But without the mobility, it's going to be hard to train your flexibility. And so, yeah, the range of motion and the range of motion is also something that you want as a cyclist a lot or even as like a desk jockey if you're working at a computer and you're hunched over all the time. So the Ready State has really great mobility and flexibility training. Jenna Scare, uh, Doc Jen Fit, she's been a podcast guest as well. That's her Instagram. And I actually had purchased her mobility program. But just honestly, the routine that you're going to do is going to be the best one for you. Like you can sign up for all these things. Just commit to doing one thing a day. Like that's what I have. I tell myself, do I, like I have this app that asks me, did I meditate? Did I stretch? Did I do these things? And for me, like stretching means that I do one stretch during the day. Did I do one mobility exercise? Because it's hard for me to commit to a routine and we can get all or none focused. Oh, well, I don't have time to do the, the 20 minute routine there. So I'm not going to do anything at all. So just pick one thing and do it. Awesome. Well, it is time for Baby Bradley's dream feed. It's about 9.30 p.m. And that's how he stays topped up and doesn't need to eat until the morning. So, yeah, time for time for that. Awesome. Thanks. Well, that was lots of fun. I liked hearing your stories. I never actually heard the your very first mountain bike ride was actually a chairlift. Oh, that's funny <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> and thanks for everybody for submitting your questions. We're doing this every single month. It's the first Thursday of every month. So... If you'd like to have your question featured next time, feel free to email Sonia at SonyaLooney.com or send me a DM on Instagram and that's at SonyaLooney1. Thanks again, everybody for listening. It's so, so awesome having this podcast. I've been doing it for over three years and I don't take it lightly. It is my favorite thing that I do and I'm just so thankful. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button, leave us a review. Thanks to those of you supporting us on Patreon and PayPal with your donations. And I'm with you on this journey of growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. 